Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. Are you in the stage of business growth where you have this problem? Being able to hire people ahead of the revenue that they bring in. Or this? You know, you get to the point where everyone's busy and you're making the revenue that comes with the amount of people you have and you feel the need to hire that additional person to, you know, spread the workload around and be able to grow with that person. But you truly need the revenue to make that person's payroll. In this episode of Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs, you are going to learn how our seasoned panel of experts changed the way they approached new hires so that they could shorten the time to get team members up to speed. And we went from taking two years for, for somebody or 18 months for somebody to become useful, so to speak, down to six months. And the importance of understanding your numbers when making business decisions. The numbers are really, really important not only to know where your profit's coming from, but how to market yourself. Do you know your numbers well enough? What we found was when we really analyzed it, there was about almost 30% of our clients that contributed to less than 20%, about 15% of our revenue. Why did Tyler want to put his company, Better Print Victoria, in our mix? Maybe you feel this way as well. I literally don't have people to discuss this with. Um, none of my friends are business owners, really no idea with a lot of business owners. It's just transactional. It's, you know, I'm definitely not going to talk about my business to these people. So it has been wonderful. Take a listen to the important business growth challenges and what one could have in place to overcome them. Okay. Well, I would like to talk about the print shop because that's the one where, um, I was, you know, pulling my hair out as you called me. Um, Print shop, we're just entered our eighth year. Actually, a couple of weeks from now, we'll enter our eighth year. Um, we manufacture what we sell, which is a really interesting way to do business. Um, there's a lot of different uh, things that all relate to each other in the print business, um, specifically regarding the amount we can get out the door with the amount of people that we have in the building. They're very, very intertwined. Um, so we sell primarily paper printing stuff, business cards, rack cards, flyers, um, graphic design services. So designing all different types of print media and, you know, uh, even web assets and then uh, large format, which includes uh, vehicle wraps primarily, but also building wraps and um, typically having the ability to do all those things allows me to get some companies that are uh, my core clients that need someone who could do everything. Um, and it's a bit of a unique thing in the print business, having the ability to do large format and paper printing. Usually they're split. There's a large format place and there's a paper printing place. Um, but that's one of my uh, unique things that I do, that I do both. Um, and uh, yeah, there's eight or seven of us right now. We got the ad up for the eight that we're trying to hire right now. And uh, we all love our jobs. Excellent. Awesome. Okay, Steph, I'm going to mute myself and you can roll. Yes. So um, we got some information in advance about your company, um, but it seems like there is a little bit of a problem that you would like to bring up 
um, on this call. And so I'm going to have you describe the problem for us. Like you've been around for eight years. Uh, Better Print Victoria is doing well. Um, why are you finding that there is this problem? And what exactly is this problem? Well, what the problem is, is being able to hire people ahead of the revenue that they bring in. Like I mentioned, the amount that we can get out the front door is completely dependent on the amount of people we have in the building. Because we manufacture what we sell, uh, we can only get out as much as the people that work here can produce. So we're entering year eight right now, and we went through the first five years unprofitable, just uh, as very common in print business. Um, year six was the first year that we posted a profit, um, but then year seven was COVID. So that um, everyone knows how that went. The, the main challenge for all those years, with the exception of the magic year six, is that we're still trying to get above that, um, you know, break through that fixed cost barrier. Uh, you know, we're kind of always continuing, tried to uh, slug it out to be able to pay the fixed costs and then make a buck extra. Now, when we actually did have our one year in the black, we, we were able to surpass that problem. We hired the people that we need, we bought the material we need, and life was really good. But for the majority of the time with this business, it's very tough to, uh, you know, you get to the point where everyone's busy and you're making the revenue that comes with the amount of people you have and you feel the need to hire that additional person to you know spread the workload around and be able to grow with that person but you truly need the revenue to make that person's payroll we have fairly in our business qualified people you know they all have you know good these are careers for everybody that works here so there's a very high price tag attached to every employee that we bring on and they're literally a double digit percentage of our revenue bringing somebody on for their what they you know annually make so it's tough for us and we constantly get to this point where we are all busy and then there's this period where we're all too busy but we're just trying to pad the bank account a little bit so we can afford to hire this person but this person literally slows us all down for the first month or two while they get up to speed with what our print business does and how to use our internal workflow software and our printers that are specific to our printers and our software and everything. So it's, it's, I don't want to say it's, I'm not, it's not the first time I've been in this position. Every single staff member, we had this just this terrible time trying to get that extra person to help us grow. And these people are so instrumental to our growth, but Cash flow will kill us if yeah. it is not babysat to the extreme, especially in a business like mine where, you know, it's next to impossible to get any kind of funding for any sort of um, any sort of, you know, rainy day account to be able to hire a staff member when you're you're five years unprofitable. I'm really interested to hear what Rita has to say about this because I feel like she's going to burst at the seams if we don't get to her just because she's I can see it in her face. She's got something to say. But before we get to Rita, just to make her wait a little longer, I will say that um, because I'm the grant girl, it's all about looking at the different positions that you're hiring for. And there's always going to be hiring grants. Some of them are a little bit small. Some of them are going to be a little bit bigger um, and it depends on 
Are you building your bench of talent? Are you looking at maybe a little bit of a lower wage where you can do that training? You can even leverage training grants to get people trained up on machinery, on technology. Um, and so it's really a little bit of a longer term play when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. um, and there's maybe even grants for people to be, to be able to use your services. So you might not be the direct recipient of the grant, um, but companies that are looking to market outside of Canada might yeah. need print materials and they can leverage grants to use your services for the design and for the for the printing of it. So there's there's quite a bit there. But yeah. I'm going to turn to Rita because I feel like uh, it's uh, this financing thing. I want to hear what you have to say. Sure, great. Tyler, I can't believe you're running two businesses. What an entrepreneurial family this indeed is. Uh, so congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I think, right? Yeah, <laughs> is, is that those things. Like, we'll, we'll wait a couple of years before we give out the congratulations. But. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're employing people. You said it's for a career, which means it's a career-based salary or wage, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's yeah. one of the concerns. As I was listening to, you know, your your life story, the concerns I had was, okay, you're running a couple of different things. So you're running a service business as well as a manufacturing business, correct? Correct. And you're tying them in together. And maybe maybe it's yeah. not right to tie them in together anymore. Perhaps what? it's time to separate yeah. those out. What do you mean by tying them in together? So you have one entity and you're running both manufacturing and service together, correct? Sorry, no, I have, I do, they are each separate corporations. The only thing they have in common are we I operate out of the same building but I have a big building so your print company uh, yeah. does both manufacturing and service correct yes that's correct so I call those two separate businesses because they're so oh. unique in its own and so and they're highly complex on their own and now you've got the two of them together so I'd say that's so the first is always defining what you actually have and so and I think sometimes that in itself is just kind of the crux of it mm -hmm. and sometimes when you actually lay out the two side by side you can actually then start to break them down one by one right so with the service side of things I would actually try to I'd put my total financial modeling hat on and go let me look at the costing on this service side so mm -hmm. somebody calls in I want design or graphics or you know, wrap all of that kind of combo in one. So what mm -hmm. does that look like? Let me break that down to understand my cost. Yeah. And then I can figure out my revenue, profit, understanding. And then basically each person themselves, we want to see what kind of, what's my limit of production? Mm -hmm. What's that limit of production before I go, this one's going to burn out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and because I can figure out my cost, because I can figure out my profit, because I can figure out production capacity, I can go, you know, they can handle X amount of work. And I know that they're going to hit that by month five. Mm -hmm. So prior to month five, we have an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to hit something in advance. So based on the numbers, we can project when we need the next person to come up. The second piece was, it sounds like we're, we're running kind of like at a master level or a senior level, and that's why it takes a little bit longer to onboard. So my thoughts are leaning to why not create maybe a junior in some of these positions, and then that junior can help, so to speak, that transition piece. Agreed, yeah. And, 
and add that support. So then the, and the second thing, you do the same thing on the manufacturing side. So, but I would like, see for me, I'm slightly drooling because I would want to break it down. Let me look at the numbers. <laughs> Let me figure this out. Which one is actually more profitable? Is there anything we can do to make some efficiencies? But once you start mapping those pieces out, then you run a true cash flow. Then you can see where my gaps are, what's going on, where, where when do I need to actually have that infusion uh, because I need to hire this person? When do I need to take, you set the timeline to hire someone? So it takes time to hire, find, you know, on board and then get them trained up and then move forward to production, you know, mm -hmm. to the production level ability that you want them to have. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's really breaking it down. Let's go yeah. down to the numbers and let's start building out those timelines. Uh, and then maybe see if there's a way that we can add like a junior kind of mid range senior into that yeah. flux yeah. to try to add that support. Because I hear you, what you're saying. And, you know, our business is based on seniors and then juniors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we yeah. don't really have that middle piece. It's just like once you attain a certain level, you just become that senior. Yeah. And and we need the juniors and the juniors love what they do. They're happy. Yeah. And some of them just don't want to become the seniors and do the more complex work. Yeah. And the seniors, you know, they might get bogged down or busy because they're maybe they've got some blocks in some of the junior work. Yeah. And so instead of getting it done, they're procrastinating or working yeah. on the more exciting stuff. So, yeah. so it kind of gives that opportunity for everyone to focus on what they're enjoying the most yeah. and, and actually what they're the best at, which will automatically enhance my production. Yeah. Okay. Now that's amazing, but I want to hear also on the accounting side of things. So Candace, tell us, you know, how does that, how does this work? So I have to admit, I'm sitting here, I'm listening to what Rita's saying, and I completely agree to her wholeheartedly. But as I'm listening to you speak, a whole bunch of questions filter through my head. So I'm wondering, um, you know, further to what she's saying, are you costing these services right? I.e., um, like, what is the demand like? Like, do you have more demand for your services than you're able to provide? This is a really strong indicator that you're not charging enough, that you could probably charge more. That gives you a little bit more profit margin. You know, irrespective of what it actually costs to do the work, sometimes you can get more for the work. I yeah. completely agree with hiring the appropriate number of assistant type people to to get rid of easy tasks that uh, that works that uh, that actually works. Um, and as a long term strategy, and might and there might be opportunities with with the grant is not only. Um, hiring and training people but really taking a look at what your training process is so that you're not um reinventing the wheel every time you 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 train somebody you like you do a really good job of documenting and creating a, a clear onboarding process so that they they get ramped up sooner yeah yeah our own business we did this we we totally focused on it and we went from taking two years for, for somebody or 18 months for somebody to become useful, so to speak, down to six months. And so you can see the value in, in really focusing on onboarding them quickly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I do definitely um, see that for sure. One of the other kind of relevant pieces of information that I probably have left out is that I am still acting a working role because mm -hmm. I am at the top and I constantly am lowering my 
just like having juniors under me, I am, I am delegating my task to my one soon to be two salespeople, but it seems like I keep, as I try to grow the company, you know, I'm approaching bigger businesses now and I'm getting bigger contracts and I'm expanding my, I'm not stepping out of the sales role necessarily with the intention of trying to build the business. And it's not so much like I post an ad on Google and people contact me. Um, my plan for growth is to go out there and, and get it essentially. And Victoria is obviously not very big. There's not an endless supply of print place of print business, but there is a lot of print places in Victoria. Anyways, um, I have lack of time and that's one of my things with hiring is I'm, yeah. Okay. On that, are you getting, are you allowing yourself to be drawn into doing tasks that somebody else could do? So instead I, of advising people on how to do them, you actually just say, okay, just leave it with me and I'll do it. That's a great question. And I happen to have been scolded about this before. So I have a, the capital <laughs> D on my, um, on my daily to-do list is for delegate. And I hit that D. I go through my list every morning and anything that is, has I can put that D beside, I do, and it's off my list onto my inside sales girls list. Though it's the thing where I have a lot of sales tasks and that's what I need to delegate to my sales girl, but in the exact position I'm in when Peggy had called me is that I, I'm, I'm just, we're maxed on all fronts right now. We were too busy a month ago and then I posted the ad two weeks into it, hiring or interviews for two weeks and so I'm, 12 out of 10, 10.5 hours a day on average right now. And it's uh, not to make excuses, delegating is what needs to be done. And I'm fully uh, in accord with you on that. Um, but maybe I just need to stop opening these, trying to attempt these big accounts and, and try to streamline my inbound sales process so that it's not just, because I'm a salesman at heart, that's my, yeah, my thing is tough to stop. I think that the one thing and some of these listeners will probably resonate with this is when you are the business owner, you are the best salesperson for your business, hands down. So I think you can't really kind of match somebody else that you hire on and expect them to have the passion and the, you know, just the excitement that you have um, it for, for what it is they do. I mean, that can grow, absolutely. But initially, you're always going to use this. And I think all of us are a little bit um, guilty of doing that is working in the business or instead of on the business. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to come back to Rita in a minute. But Nina, I would love your thoughts on this because you own a couple of different businesses. I don't even know how many you own. So <laughs> we start with that. And, you know, I just got into a second business as well. And I'm having difficult time, like just balancing. So let alone a thriving business that is, you know, so tell us a little bit, uh, what are the tips that you have for Tyler here? So Tyler, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm hearing. What if I told you I had a restaurant and it's really important to me to have all these things on the, on the menu so that I get as many people coming in as possible. And then I also want to grow the food to control what's on the menu. This is what I'm hearing when you're talking. I gotta have everything on the menu so that all the people come in and then I gotta have the right food. So I'm gonna grow the food. You're in a difficult position 
in my businesses, what I've really had to do, I have three and I have to look at where I'm, where I'm spending my time, but also where, what does the story of finance tell? And so I'm not a numbers person. Rita can tell you this, Candace can tell you this. I'm a marketing person. So I love the sales too. And I love the growing, but the problem is, is if you're growing on all fronts, if you're marketing all the items on the menu, but say one thing on the menu, the profit is this much and you don't know how much time you're spending on marketing that. It's a problem. So you have to really look at, do I have to offer all of this? Is You can't be all things to all people. So you really have to define that and narrow that. And one of the best things I did with my companies is go, where's the money coming from? Mm-hmm. And when we started out with one of my companies, we had 11 locations. Oh, wow. All the money was coming from two locations. Yeah. So we shut down everything except two locations. You can imagine how much less staff we had, and yet we were making almost the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. So the the numbers are really, really important, not only to know where your profit's coming from, but how to market yourself. Mm -hmm. So then you're going out as a salesperson and saying, um, if you're marketing, if your profit's really high on the design front, you can go out and market that. Say on the design front, you can get contract staff in. So you can see how it can kind of go along in a much better way when you know your numbers and you know then how to market to those numbers, to increase those numbers. Thanks for that, Nina. And and I'm learning along with everybody else on this call, right? Because we get called out on stuff. And so Tyler, don't feel like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, that totally does make sense. Um, so yeah. I'm gonna go to Peggy. Tell me what you gotta say about uh about um Tyler's business and where things are going. Yeah, just a just a cute story to go along with this whole thought process. I remember one time going into a client and he was um, producing pasta products and he said, I have 20 or 200 different SKUs. By the time I package it in the 500 mil and the, you know, 1 kg and I package this and I package that. And he said the, the downtime of changing the production. And, and he said, if I could just sell a truckload of cheese tortellini to Costco every week, he said, I'd be rich. And I just looked at him and said, why don't you then? Mm-hmm. Right? Why don't you? Anyhow, so to go along with that, just an example in my own business, we look at our clients every year. When I had a whole bunch of staff, we could produce a whole lot of claims. But what we found was when we really analyzed it, there was about almost 30% of our clients that contributed to, you know, about, um, less than 20%, about 15% of our revenue. Mm-hmm. And so we actually ditched those clients. We cut our workload by 30%. We, we, we didn't have to hire new employees and we sacrificed very little revenue and we made room for better clients. I run a, a law practice and one of our practice areas is real estate conveyancing. So people are buying houses, buying buildings. We do those transactions. And it's very hard to say no to every person that calls and asks me to deal with their um, conveyance. But at some point, it, you know, I reach that threshold that you're describing, Tyler, um, you know, quite regularly. And we just at some point have to stop taking the business because what happens if we don't say no is we don't um, do well with the other clients that we do have. We start dropping balls. 
things get missed and then those people don't want to come back to us. We also, um, echoing on what Candace said, we're priced a little bit higher than the other firms in our region, um, which tends to then attract the larger transactions. So that's that bigger fish that you're talking about going after, Tyler. That's yeah. you know where we're sort of point, positioning ourselves is that you know we we service a lot of the Whistler luxury yeah. properties, um, and those it's this, almost the same amount of work, sometimes a little bit more complex, but not crazy complex and um, it can be triple four times the fee just because we base it on the purchase price of the the property so um you know just it sort of translates i run two businesses myself that's one of the things that i had to focus on was who are those customers that we want to go after so i know that other folks have said that tonight but i just wanted to echo it that it's kind of across uh all industries perhaps um and then yeah i was thinking I was like, Tyler needs a second Tyler, just like I need a second Kathleen. <laughs> um, yeah. And I did take the leap and hire a junior who's, he's junior to me, but he's not a super junior. Um, so he's got quite a bit of experience in the field. So I was able to sort of download a bunch of stuff to him so that I could focus on the big fish. So he's doing my more day-to-day -day transactions, um, although he's quite capable of doing the larger stuff. He's just, his role is is to take on the smaller stuff. And it's taking time to see the benefit of that. It's helped me mentally, but it hasn't, you know, his salary is quite large compared to a junior. It's less yeah. than mine, but it's high. So, um, yeah. you know, we're still waiting for the rewards on that. So that does take some time. And there's that uncomfortable part with the cash flow until you see the benefit of having a second Tyler <laughs> in the, the business. But yeah. I'm going to just hop back over to Rita for a bit because I think that I'm a cash only girl. And so it was really hard for me to take a loan from the BDC. They're like, take this money. I'm like, no, I want to take it. And it's like, take it. I'm like, no. And so I just want to talk a little bit about what the expectation should be when you have this amount of business and, you know, as you're growing your team, and you know that there's going to be a little bit of a lull as somebody gets onboarded and, what are like that's what financing is there for right rita tell us a little bit more about maybe not being as cash only on that yeah yeah and 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 i think i think we're all with you steph when you say no don't give me the debts and and, and my first whole thing around that is guys there's a, such a thing as good debt debt that you can leverage for growth and some sanity and peace of mind and then there's the bad debt right and so there's there's the two pieces but before i jump into any of that i just wanted to do a check-in tyler we just hammered you with a bunch of stuff like we usually do because we're kind of just that's what we do we're got overprotective we're trying to go oh my gosh tyler here's some stuff as you can clearly see we're all concerned a bit on a few fronts but you know just just initial thoughts for sure. And it's like having a book being read to me rather than reading the book is what this is, which is a good thing. It's easier, uh, to be honest. Um, as you're though talking, as like as you each of you have spoken about certain things, it, it's, you know, the real picture of what you're talking about is in my mind, you know, I can picture what I can cut out and I can picture how I could make this business easier. So I know these seem like, you know, maybe just uh, advice you're giving, but they really do speak to some of the the things that I have been thinking about on my own. There's, they're all loaded thoughts. Obviously, I'm 
cannot turn my brain off. Every second of the day, I'm you know, thinking about scenarios and what would be, yeah, sure, right? Uh, what would be what? And and so I've thought of some of these things. So it's just interesting to hear what that you say. You're affirming some of the things that I have thought before, but they are all, I don't want to say that they're not simple fixes, and I'm not saying you're assuming they're simple fixes, but they're all very loaded, very loaded things if I were to actually do some of the things I've been thinking about doing. But it's just very nice to hear you are literally everything not everything you've said a lot of the stuff that you all have said is stuff that i have considered on my own but one of the things i was telling peggy about a while ago is that i i literally don't have people to discuss this with um none of my friends are business owners really no i deal with a lot of business owners it's just transactional it's you know i'm definitely not going to talk about my business to these people so it has been wonderful Maybe just to talk about one thing that is very common throughout everything that you were saying, which is, you know, get rid of the stuff that's not making you money and focus on the stuff that is making you money. And the kind of crazy thing about that is that, um, and selling everything, these things go kind of hand in hand as well too. Um, I, a lot of my, so my biggest clients, I'd say more than half of my monthly revenue are big, big companies and organizations and they only use me. And one of the reasons that they only use me is because I do everything and they don't have to go a bunch of places. And I'm not saying that if I stop selling them, I know for sure that they would drop me, but I do know that a lot of the people, I do everything that they buy that comes out of a printer. But these are also my least profitable and hardest to deal with. And I have to deal with them, these people. They are, <laughs> this is what I should trip. But it would literally be cutting my business in half and throwing half away. Oh, would reload with I got other. You. Yeah, I no, got getting you. completely reloaded. Another yeah. gun. We are going to leave you hanging here because the topic of choosing the right clients really deserves its own episode. Join us next time as we unpack Tyler's question about whether he should keep all his clients, even the ones that may not be as lucrative, but revenue-wise, may have an impact on his business, and learn which quick-fire tips our experts have to share with Tyler to support him in his entrepreneurial journey. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. Always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.